podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Just Celtic state of mind. It's twelve thirty. It's Monday, so that must mean it's the Monday club. I'm Tony Haggerty, and joining me as ever is the wonderful Amy, as you say, Canavan. <laughs> How was your weekend? And I'm. Did you say, Tony? It was all right. Um, <laughs> um, no, it was good. I had a really, I had a really good weekend actually. Yeah, I did actually. Thank you. No doubt, boyed by the Scotland England result on Friday night. Yeah, that was. Oh, that was terrific. Um, you know, going into that, every single one else would have took that result. You know, would would have bit your hand off at it. But now you you kind of have to sit there and you're like, wow, we we really could have walked away with three points here, and we probably deserved it. I um, thought to a man, absolutely outstanding. You know, and obviously all the all the comments have been there over the weekend. But I think there's just one thing I. I quite like to touch on just at the the start there that you know if you look at any of the ratings, like how shocking is it that has uh, anybody watched Callum McGregor? Uh, against England, you know, you've been watching them get like sixes. I think, I think Sky had them at a six. I think even some England players. Cal McGregor was outstanding, and I think because he was so quiet, I think it was it was it a uh, Gazetta. I think they called him the blanket, and I, I think that's amazing because you know that's just what he done. He totally and utterly covered, and I know all the plaudits are going to Billy Gilmore, um, but. It was the work that McGregor done, you know, to, to tee him up, to, to set him up. And I, I think it was the McGregor of old that we really saw against against England. And he was just really quite, you know, commanding, but in a cool, calm and composed way. He broke up play really well and just, he was that body in, in the midfield that you really needed. And I thought I thought he was outstanding. But like I say, to a man, you know, we could we could go through every single one of them. And the fact that you're looking at, you know, the money that's, the numbers, sorry, that gets chucked about for for. Phil Foden for for Mason Mount for Raheem Sterling you know <laughs> Stephen O'Donnell was just as good. Cool. We'll maybe touch upon Scotland before the end of the program, but good opening. I like that, um, Callum. I agree entirely with what you said. And uh, as you say, comment was a wee kind of in joke with commenters on YouTube saying 
the Amy is fond of saying the words, as you say. So we'll monitor, we'll monitor that going along. You know? That's the idea. And also, it's Mondays. It wouldn't be complete, the Monday Club, without our resident bus convener. What you say? The bus man extraordinaire. How are you, Russell? Oh, as you say, Tony, I'm doing well. Thanks, mate. I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm in the studio, mate. I thought we would sort of show off some of the studio's fantastic sort of uh, backdrop today. So rather than sitting in the mundane studio official HQ area, I thought we'd come to the bar, mate, and make it a wee bit more civilised. You know what I mean? Now, that's kind of keeping with the theme because you've turned up at HQ there for pre-season. You know, first day of pre-season, you're reporting back to HQ and didn't want to sit in the, the mother seat chair. Marvellous. Celtic have reported back for pre-season. All the usual suspects turning up except the international players. And a wee bit of news today that Celtic have taken up the option of extending Anthony Ralston's contract for another 12 months. Now, the strap line along the bottom says, what will the new era Celtic look for the first? Look like for the first match under Ange Postacoglu. Are these small indicators, Boise? Do you think that he's going to go with some younger players and maybe have a look at Anthony Ralston and make up his mind? Because there were some clubs sniffing around Anthony Ralston, but they've activated that clause and he's got another year. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, first and foremost, I mean, we all know about JP's famous countdown. Um, if he was on the show today, that would be sitting at 29 days till the next match. We've spoke about an abundance of positions that need to be covered. No two ways about it. I mean, there's you know areas all over the pitch that we're going to need bodies and first-team players as well. And I just think perhaps Ralston's been kept on for an extra year as a safety net. I don't want to say that disrespectfully, but... He's had he's been at Celtic a numerous you know amount of time, amount of years now. He's never convinced any of the managers that have been in charge of that time that he would be a regular player there. But such as the unknown quantity of trust in just Leo Connor in that position, and such as the time it takes Celtic to get deals over the line for new signings, you can't help but feel maybe Ralston is a safe. A pair of boots, you could, for want of a better phrase, um, at right back just in the meantime till Ange has a chance to, you know, get his full overhaul and full flow because the countdown's on now um, and you've got someone like Ralston who at the end of the day does have decent SPFL experience. He's played in Europe before as well. You might be looking at that as a, a safer bet than perhaps bringing Leo Connor, I think played a lot of his spell at Tranmere in midfield um, as opposed to the actual right back position we thought he was. So, it might just be one of those ones where it's a needs must right now. Do I think Anthony Ralston is going to be the long-term right-back at Celtic? I'd be happy to be proved wrong, but I can't see it. Amy, it's less than a month or about a month till we do play Mijuland in the... I think that's how you pronounce it, Mijuland. I think I said Mijuland the other day on the pod. Somebody corrected me and laughed at my pronunciation. So <laughs> Mijuland or as they're now in my, known in my house, the Danes. <laughs> <laughs> What's your thoughts on that uh, about Ralston? Are you enthused by that? Or does that worry you slightly? Or? 
I don't think anybody can really be enthused by it. You know, it's, um, I think Russell was, was spot on there. I think he's made 20 appearances maybe in the last five years, something like that. I appreciate mm-hmm. his loan deals out as well. But I have, you know, and I've said it on the spot, so I can't go back and really backtrack. But I don't personally mind Ralston, you know, and I think there's been times over the last season that I'd have, you know, I'd have gave him a little start and just, you know, let's let's see the ball rolling again, you know, he's had loan spells out, Dundee United, St Johnston as well I think maybe, so let's mm-hmm. see what's built upon, because it's been a wee while maybe since we've seen him, and saying that, going forward though, the fact that he didn't you know, make any cameo appearances at the tail end of last season, then that doesn't set me in, in a lot of stead because you're thinking, well, he couldn't get ahead of John Joe Kenny, and it wasn't that John Joe Kenny was putting in Stephen O'Donnell-esque performances. You know, he wasn't he wasn't hitting the setting the ground alight. It was really, really bog standard, um, and there was nothing. You know, he wasn't the the shining light in any team, and I appreciate it. it was tough for him to come in, but there were opportunities that you know we could have turned to Ralston. Obviously, he made the bench a few times, so there wasn't it wasn't the case of a fitness issue. So he was an option, but we never really turned to him. So going forward. It's like I say, it's definitely not something that we could be enthused by, and I, I get what Russell saying. Maybe again, it's a, a a safety net, but then what sort of safety net is it? It could be a safety net with thousands of holes upon it because we don't know really what we're, what the safety is because we don't know what assurance we've really got with them because it's been so long since we've really seen them play. So it's not, you know, if this is the new era that we're looking into. Um, the, the new year that I have no idea how that's going to shape up to be. It's not the you know it's not the the glamour first sort of move first sign and first sign that we really wanted to see. It's not the the wow. It's not a it's not a big one, is it? You mentioned a name there though, and Ange would have watched him at close quarters on Friday night. Stephen O'Donnell. Now he has many a detractor, but Stephen O'Donnell won a few more admirers. I think the other night on Friday night with a a sterling performance against England against some top quality players. And I'm not saying Stephen O'Donnell can perform like that every week, but he said it himself in the aftermatch interview that he was buoyed by the fact that the manager picked him because he, he'd, he'd read all the criticism. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a guy that's been constantly linked with a move to Celtic. Would you like to see him sign for Celtic, Amy? Or should Celtic look elsewhere? But... If you're Ange and you're watching Stephen O'Donnell for the first time on Friday night, you couldn't help but be impressed. Absolutely. Um, and as we all know, you know, Ange was there, so he definitely would have, you know, caught the eye. It's interesting, I put out a tweet um, and I was like, obviously, Stephen O'Donnell, some performance. And then I got a, a, a raft of replies really going, you know, sign them, sign them, sign them. And I never really interacted with him because then I was kind of a bit like, that's not why the tweet was sent out. Um, there's no denying it, you know, it was it was terrific the other night. And I think that was, you know, there was a combination of things there. I think that he felt obviously in the in the post match interview, which is a fantastic interview, he comes out and says, you know, he just wanted to to repay it to, to Steve Clark, to repay it to his teammates, to his friends, his family. So he had that sort of support network. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a disaster against the Czechs last week. It was that there was a few errors, and I think there's no denying that the the, the atmosphere definitely got to him. Um, and he, he certainly wasn't the only one. You know, there's there's no point just picking out on him. But I think he's just a little bit of the whipping boy, of course, as well. You know, we're guilty of it ourselves. We're talking about maybe the English would look upon him that oh, he only plays for Motherwell. 
we're all guilty of it that we're looking like, wow, do we really want a Motherwell player in the Scotland setup? But you know what? He's been the best option and it definitely turned out to be that way on Friday. But going back then, you know, if we look at such a big occasion this time last week getting some against the Czech Republic, then will that happen at Celtic? You know, maybe after just one decent performance, I wouldn't just, I wouldn't be jumping on it. You know, there was a few people like I say, like, right, let's sign him straight away, let's get him in. He'd definitely be a solid option. Um, you know, he knows the league inside and out. He was obviously at Kilmarnock before he was at Motherwell, but don't forget he had that really good season under under Clark at Kilmarnock and he definitely, there's no denying that he left thinking that he was going to get like a, a decent, a bigger move and it never really transpired and then I think it was quite rushed. I think the season might even started by the time that he signed for Motherwell. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But it was, if not, it was it was running it close, um, you know, and it was more it was a local club for him, so it also uh, fitted in nicely. And again, and he's performed well for Motherwell, but he's not been a wow. Let's all let's all check him out again. Solid enough performer, but would I really be, you know, again, would it be that sort of sign? And if Ange signs him, would we be all like, wow, this is fantastic, what a great sign, and we've got him on board? I don't think so. I don't think he'd set the set the world alight. Again, perhaps a, a solid enough one and maybe it's Ange one and you know he could familiarise himself with the league you're bringing in somebody who knows the setup but it's certainly not going to be one that's um, that's going to be getting all the glitz and the glam Russell you're an advocate of players that know the league and the setup so if you're Ange and you've watched him and as Amy said there you wouldn't sign a player on the basis of one performance but if information is telling you this guy's been linked before and it, and it's not going away and you need players. Would you would you see him as a safe option or a good option? Yeah, I, I think it draws similarities between Strack and Sign Paul Telfer. I appreciate that um uh, uh, you know the age there's a big difference. Telfer was a lot further on, but I think it would be a safe option. I certainly think right now as well, it's Celtic I've got a feeling are maybe a phase of downsizing slightly anyway. I think, you know, the bigger earners like your end chams, your Ayers, your Edwards are all going to be heading for the exit door. I don't envisage we'll be bringing in players on huge money. Um, I think as well, I mean, we've tried the glitz and the glamour that Amy talks about in this troubled right-back role. Um, if we look at Jeremy Tolyan, he came from Borussia Dortmund. John Joe Kenny came from the bright lights of the EPL, as did Moritz Bauer. Oh, I think Stoke had just been relegated, but he was an international defender. Frimpong came from Manchester City and had a good six months. But let's be honest, last season, none of us were sad that he left in the January. In fact, we were pleasantly surprised at the transfer fee we got. So if we look since Lustig left at the replacements we've made, we've sourced bigger clubs right backs um, that have came from more glamorous leagues. And it hasn't really worked. Stephen O'Donnell on Friday was on approximately 100th what his opponents were a week in terms of wages, a hundred, and was absolutely outstanding. Showed what he can do in the big stage. Again, I think very much like Ralston was easy to get over the line to trigger that extension for a year. I don't think there'd be many obstacles in the road of bringing Stephen O'Donnell in. Right now, Andrew's going to need bodies, like I've already said. Would you take Stephen O'Donnell on a two-year deal right now just because it makes sense, not perhaps because you're clamouring for it. Um, I think there is pros to, to that deal. I really do. I think we've got to accept it right now. We are in such a huge overhaul with the squad. All our own doing, 
no Angie's, that there's going to need to be some sort of signings made that have short-term, you know, you can get in the door quickly and perhaps have a short-term impact whilst trying to build a strategy or identifying targets for long-term roles in those positions. Do you know what I mean? Another one from Paul who's uh, sent in a comment and thank you for all your con- contributions uh, on the social media channels. He says, Stephen O'Donnell isn't a great standard, but he's above Ralston at least. Ralston wouldn't stand out at Cliftonville. Well, there you go. That's fair enough. Anthony Ralston. And on that subject of defenders, Celtic are being linked with Oxford United defender today, uh, Rob get his name, Rob Atkinson, that's the fella. I nearly said Ron Atkinson there. But I, <laughs> I had it in my head, don't say Ron Atkinson. Don't say Ron Atkinson. <laughs> Rob Atkinson is his name. Played 44 times for Oxford United last season and he scored twice. Bristol City are also looking at him as well. Uh, Oxford have seemingly quoted a 1.6 million fee for him. But uh, it's been reported that Celtic are really keen. He's 22, young defender. You know, comes with some kind of pedigree. Uh, again, not a household name or one that would get Celtic fans off the chair, but maybe if they're doing their scouting and they've looked at this guy, he fits the bill as a young Ange Postacoglu prototype player that could come in and maybe do a job and he would work his magic on him and turn them into the finished article because that's the way he seems to like to build his teams with young guys coming in and he makes them better over a period of time. Do you think that suits that? What's that criteria, Amy? I think that's that would be the thinking behind that. Well, you've got to take, obviously, the only thinking again, like you say, is obviously it's, it's, it's far from a household name. Um, you've got to hope that, obviously, age is definitely on his side in that sort of respect. It's definitely going to be, you know, any time that there's any other sort of suitors in and if he's in a little bit of demand, then, of course, then there, there attracts that extra little bit of attention. I think perhaps... Maybe the, the hesitation I would have and maybe thinking that's a little bit dubious is that can I really see, you know, Ange Postacoglu, who's only been here, you know, a matter of days, is he really looking at Oxford United? And if he is, then that's fine, fair enough. But if not, who's doing the scouting? Who else, you know, we have no idea what sort of backroom team is in shape, you know, who's whose roles what or you know who's even what the roles even are if it's a director of football we've got coming in or a head of recruitment whatever it may be so I think that's where I have a little bit of hesitation as well who you know who's looking at this guy who is it that's sort of you know looking at him and going "Mm, he could be decent for us and if it's Ange then absolutely you you get behind that and that's terrific that he's he's hit the ground running obviously he's, he's He's down south, obviously in London, and if he's, you know, maybe talking to people, and of course he's going to have contacts, but it's um, it's quick to, you know, have it being reported that we've got an interest when really it's, it's came out of nowhere. It's not one that, now, my God, Celtic are linked to everybody always, every single transfer window. So it's not even one of those that, you know, we've been linked to before sort of thing. So there's a little bit of history. This is all a, came pretty much out of the blue. And that's probably where my hesitation is, is that who is looking for him? Who's... Who's picked him out? Because it's um, like I say, it's not the household name. He's not. He's not been like, wow. He's he's somebody that we want. I've never heard of any sort of interest up until now. So there's definitely a bit a little bit of hesitation there from me. I totally agree. I I hoped that Ange Postecoglou is scouting these players, but I think as you say the time 
scale in which to do that doesn't stack up, you know, so somebody is making these calls or maybe uh, just putting these names in front of them and, you know, and then putting it to the team and they're, they're looking at through media and saying, well, Celtic want them or they're interested, you know, because I think Bristol City are also in from maybe trying to flush them out as well. So all sorts yeah. of things will be happening there. Russell, your thoughts on Rob Atkinson? Yeah, I mean, I don't have any thoughts on Rob Atkinson as a player, as I've never heard of him, with all due respect to our Rob. Um, I think we're going to need to maybe get a wee bit used to it this season, that there's going to be signings that we've never heard of before. Um, the one thing that is strange, like Amy's touched on there, though, is as far as I was aware, Nick Hammond's left the building. So the head of recruitment, we don't have one right now. We've not heard of any appointments of a new one or a new scouting team or anything like that. Is Ange going off old player lists that were maybe already sitting around the, the HQ, back to HQ again? But um, I don't know. Um, I had a great chat with Jared yesterday, who, if you remember, he does Celtic Down Under um, pod, and he came on with Paul and the team a couple of weeks ago to discuss Ange. Uh, he pitched a couple of players to me yesterday that were not on my radar. I can't remember the names. I think one's called Sainsbury, <laughs> of all surnames. Um, all the supermarkets are available. Um, but he apparently is 31, playing in the Chinese League right now, and I think was captain at times for Australia under Ange. And he says he would be a beast and an affordable uh, centre-back who loves defending and dominating. And those sort of signings to me maybe tickle me a bit more because I, Andrew would have previous experience with them and, you know, he would have had a huge say in that transfer, which I think what Amy's alluding to is who's having the say in these, these deals right now? That's where the concern creeps in. But by all accounts, if teams like Bristol City are looking at them, again, I don't want to sound negative, but I do believe as part of our downsizing right now, that might be the ilk of team we're competing with for potential targets this summer, sadly being the case, um, not because again, we're going to all sit here and say oh yes, Oxford sent a half for ranting and raving about them, but we're not going to write anyone off at this stage either, like I say, I think there's going to be a season here where we've maybe signed maybe even four or five names that are not household names, let's be honest the manager isn't one, so it might be something we all need to get used to and trust, it would be nice to know whose judgement we're trusting on it though um, like Amy's saying, I would like to see I have to put our faith in the manager's judgment for what the signings are making. You can't help but feel this one might not be of or one from his radar as opposed to one that was already um, on a, on some sort of sheet. The one positive, though, I as I said there is that he was actually active at a football match on Friday night, watching some Celtic players that were playing for Scotland, but also just being around that football environment and and doing his work straight away so he's obviously he's in London he'll be doing a hell of a lot because a lot of deals happen in London and stuff like that so sure. you know, he must be he must be very active because as we say it's a month till Celtic play their first game so there'll be all sorts of plates being, being spun at the moment one with conjecture and one would think now another name also that's not going away is the boy Charlie White from Sunderland a striker who has, he scored 26 last last season. He's got something like 34 and 92. And, you know, he seems to be keen to come to Celtic. I think he's going to reject a deal at Sunderland. But I was a bit concerned because I read this morning, Kevin Phillips, legendary goal scorer on, on your side, and he said this, thinks that Charlie White could do a job at Celtic, but only if you give him the right service. 
you need to play in a certain way, and you need to be direct. And you said Sunderland went back to front pretty, you know, quite a lot, quite early at times. And he said if you're playing with wingers, that would also provide an option for him around the penalty spot. But he says his signing would be an indication as to how Postacolo would play. And he says, I'm surprised that Celtic are maybe signing him. He says, because he, he says, for me, he could be he's more than an impact sub, but he'll, he'll just be like an impact sub. He'll probably not play every week. Now, Amy, if you're going to sign a striker, you need them to play, do you not? We certainly do. You know, we need to have that out and out striker who um, who can play week in, week out because that place is uh, somebody obviously touched upon. We're, we're going to lose Edward. Um, that, that's a given. Who knows on what planet and where Lee Griffiths is right now. Um, I don't know if we are, are we bringing Bio back or are we not? Um, it's, it's a tough one there as well. I'll be in the Yeti so far is certainly not um, proved to be the, the main man here. So, you know, we're definitely looking for, like you say, that, that go-to. And if he's only, you know, an, an impact sub or those comments are certainly not the most, you know, that's Kevin Phillips saying that. Yeah. Kevin Phillips yeah. about scoring goals, you know. So um, it's not, it's not everybody's view. It's just a view, and I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. have a downer on Charlie White because he might be a very good player, but as Russell says, I'm not, I'm not pretty old favourite Charlie White. I don't know too much about him, so I'm taking the word of a man who put the ball regularly in the net for Sunderland and, and England and, and was pretty good at it, you know. So. Certainly was. Um, so you know, and that—that's you know, they're the the sort of guys that obviously you want to turn to. Really, to you need to try and build a little bit of background on the guy. Well, you want to turn to somebody who who knows what to do and, and how to do it. So it's not the most, you know, it's, it's not going to sell me. Um, but you can't. You've got to obviously. You can't just take that. It's a great contribution, but it's not the um, the most. I don't know, encouraging sort of, of um, comments, but like you say, everyone's going to have a different opinion and that is just Phillips. It's not a ringing endorsement of his talent, let's put it that way. Yeah. But there seems to be suggestions that this deal's pretty far down the line and, and the boys keep to come. So if that's the manager who's picked him out again and scoped him out, then you trust his judgment and he might be part of that new era jigsaw. Russell, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, we only need to look at last summer. We were linked with a League One striker in England who'd scored a lot of goals. Um, were we blown away at the time at the prospect of signing them? I don't think so. Um, revisionism occurs, of course, because as the, this, this season progressed and he played at a higher level, he showed what he could do, Mr Tony. And I won. His name, Russell. Didn't want to mention his name. I know, I know, but who cares? We'll do it, we'll do move it. Move on, move on. But I think, um, you know... You, you know, once bitten, twice is shy. So maybe we've looked at the, the league. I don't know why I said that. I don't even think that makes any sense. But I think if we look at League One um, and you look at the example of what Tony's went on to achieve at Brentford and you've got someone who's playing not in the greatest Sunderland side of all time and he's buying 26 goals away, available again at an affordable price. Um, I, I don't think there's much of a risk element in it. And again, if he's hungry to come to Celtic, and that is a refreshing change for players joining Stepping Stone FC, Tony. <laughs> we want we want players that are desperate to come here. And I know that doesn't mean every Tom, Dick, and Harry. I don't mean that. You know that's you know. If, you know I would love to play for Celtic. It's not because they're not going to sign me, are they? But I think that record of twenty six goals is pretty impressive in League One. It's a competitive environment. 
Again, we don't know who's sourcing these players right now, but I just think, you know, sometimes you need to give players a chance to go up to a higher level and prove themselves. And sometimes players play better with better players. So, yeah, but there's not one that concerns me too much if we do bring him in. Well, I'll, I'll throw another name at you. Nobody really heard of Gary Hooper when he came north of the Yeah, board. totally. And Gary Hooper set the header of light up here. So, uh, you know, so uh, as I say, I was only mentioning Kevin Phillips' comments because they were fresh and I'd read mm-hmm. them this morning. So I I don't have any great opinion on Charlie White because I don't really know much about him. I will go and watch stuff about him and see. And then if he does sign, then I will judge him when he's playing in a Celtic jersey. But something that does interest me and excites me a wee bit is the fact that Marion Schved, remember him? He might get a shot under Postacoglu because he fits his, certainly fits his prototype player because he's a wide man and he likes playing with wingers. And they're saying that Marianne Schved could come in from the cold and possibly get a chance to step up to the plate. Now, Marianne Schved's another kind of Tom Rogic player for me. You can, They did compile a DVD of some of his greatest goals and they looked the part. And then he came in and played in the Champions League qualifiers and scored against Norm Kalju, and everybody wanted to see more. And then he just completely drifted and faded out the picture. Now, if this is a manager that plays with out-and-out wingers, surely Sved should come into the reckoning at some point and possibly get a chance to see if he can cut the mustard. Amy, your thoughts on Marion Sved coming in from nowhere? I think the fans would definitely be happy with that. You know, I think there was a little bit of, um, as you say, it's maybe a little bit Tom Rogic in the sense that it was, you know, you could compile some of his greatest goals together, but other than that, but perhaps the, the flip side to that is other than that, we've not really seen a lot of him. So when he's came in, he's, he's done a decent enough job. And I think everyone was... I don't, I can't really remember why, but I just remember everybody really, like, you know, catching on to him and really wanting, I think really just really, quite simply, wanting him to do well. I think it was always, remember, like, Unleash Shved, because um, there was the, the training picks and there was a few videos and, you know, he looked the business. And I think it's really came with a bit of a decent name. Um, I think perhaps when he came in, there was a bit of an expectation that he would be coming into the side straight away and everything sort of taking time and it was almost like you know ultimately if he, if he if he does come back into the fold it will be like a new sign and there's there's no denying that so that sort of like sets exactly where he is but you know he is he's obviously the wide man I think like you say remember that I think everybody remembers that goal um and he took it extremely well so it's um I, like you say, it's actually it's a name that totally and utterly escaped my mind, um, and it is ultimately a a new signing if it if it comes true. Uh, another comment coming in here that says, if we have taken up the option on Ralston, why not do the same with Griffiths, who has scored or assisted a goal every two every forty two minutes throughout his entire career? And that's some stat. Fantastic. I mean, we're looking at you know trying to resurrect maybe players that it's not. It's not worked with in the past, you know. I think what it does tell you first and foremost about Schwed is that signing policy has to come to an end now. We cannot keep putting players onto managers that the managers know nothing about and then are far more likely not to take a shine to because they've not had any say-so in it. He might not fit their types of characteristics of the players they're looking for, playing the sort of roles that they're looking for in their team. So that, that to me, Schwed's such a glaring... Um, example of where we got it so badly wrong in the past sort of few years transfer windows since sort of Rogers sort of spat the dummy about it. Um, 
is he worth another chance? Well, look, we're paying his wages. You know, what's the point in, in not giving him a clean slate and just treating him like a Celtic player part of the squad and seeing how he does in pre-season? Um, it's worth a go, isn't it? If it's not going to work out, then cut your losses eventually. But there's no harm in trying. As for Lee Griffiths, to me right now, if you're re-signing Anthony Ralston, you re-signed Lee Griffiths, it is just as straightforward as that. If we're talking about safety nets earlier, I'm saying about the Ralston deal because maybe the games will come too soon for us to have our full recruitment process. Um, I think the... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The whole season's coming too soon in terms of trying to get a prolific goal scorer in um, who knows the league inside out and has a record such as what's just been posted there by Paul. I think Griffiths is our absolute shoo-in for another year. Um, whatever's happened, happened. I felt he was mismanaged at the start of the season. For all his own faults, I think Celtic need to take responsibility that they acted a bit petulant with it by not taking him on that pre-season tour and he never really got going after that, despite the odd important goal, notably at McDermott Park. Um, for me, he's got to come back in for another year. We're going to need folk like that, especially what we've just been saying there. There's going to be more unknown quantities joining this squad than normal before. Griffiths is a known entity. He knows the league. He gets it. And um, I also think Griffiths would have been watching those Scotland games just feeling super, super cheesed off. And I hope he was. And I hope he thought that should have been me. I'm 31 years old. I'm in the last one, a European Golden Boot at 31, you know. I think Griffiths should have been at that tournament. Um, and I think he might have the bit between his teeth next year. And I would not like to see him at another SPFL team either which I think is most likely would be his go-to destination, as I don't think the reputation that follows someone like Griffiths now because of the, the sort of past few years in the wilderness, not all through his own doing, by the way, um, but I think his most likely destination would be within our league. And I, I, that gives me huge fear when we've got an option we can take up there for a year, you know what I mean? I also think that if you're part of, you know, we are entering a new era, so no stone should be left unturned. Agreed. Regards to Shved, regards to Griffiths. You know, you, you activate that clause in Griffiths' contract, give him the, the last chance, last chance saloon, as Amy said last week, as you've just alluded to there. But guys like Shved, you've got nothing to lose. And if this yeah. man leaves playing with wingers, this guy 
it was bought as a winger, wasn't he? Supposed to be a wide man. So, you know, you have to turn around and say, well, we've got this at our disposal. There is no harm in having a look at him and moving forward. He could be part of the new era. As you see, a lot of names that might come in that might not be instantly recognisable, but they're coming in because the new era's kicking in and our new manager thinks they could do a job. You have to get, we're going to have to get used to that. We're not going to, we might not lash out in five, six, seven million pound players. You know, yep. that, that's, that's just a fact. As you see, the downsizing will continue, but we're still going to try and get value for money and uh, and use, utilise Ange Postacoglu's contacts in and around football. With players he's maybe worked with before or players that he's seen in opposition playing in either the the Australian League or the Japanese League and he knows they could maybe do a job so you know you have to embrace that concept not every signing is going to be a blockbuster and get you as I say up off your seat so that, that, that's fine but what you would like you would like as players to come in wouldn't you? Mm. you know, at this moment in time well pretty threadbare and light and again it's been rumoured again that Ryan Christie's the subject of Monaco, Nice, Leicester, Burnley, you know, Southampton, keen on him. So you have to say, he is going to be out the door. You know, so uh, regardless of how he's played in, or if he plays in any more part in the in the Euros, he's, he's, he's going to go out the door. I mean, I don't know how you feel about Ryan Christie, but I'm of the opinion, I'm of the opinion that players that want to go should be allowed to leave. You know, and let this new broom come in and, and take it from there. You on board with that, Amy? Seeing you nodding it, there. Yeah, there's no point. Like it's it's a cliche, but there's no point keeping an unhappy player. You know, if he wants out, just let him be out. It's um, it's a waste of a wage. It's a waste of a body, and it's um, there, there's just real no need. You know, I think he just kind of hit the nail on the head there as well. You know, we are how many? What did you say, Russell? We're 29 days away, something like that. We are scrambling right now look at us and we're talking we are discussing that it's like oh we'll need to start getting used to this as in that we're talking about the future as a million miles away we're only 29 days away you know this, uh-huh. we shouldn't need to be about to get used to it we should be in that stage of getting used to it. there should be bodies coming through the door you know not the only like revolving door we're really talking about is players going out right now and then the players coming back in we're just really like regurgitating the players that we've wasted perhaps like over the last few years I think just going back to Shved as well and as you're kind of talking about like that whole environment um, and perhaps maybe the same with Griffiths but I think more than Shved you've got to hope that perhaps now he's walking into a side that you know it's not the the complete success story that it was when he came in you know the 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 starting eleven at that time was pretty much made all by a few, you know, substitutions. There was maybe there was that squad of perhaps thirteen, fourteen that you knew week in, week out were going to be the stars, you know, and that was the invincible side and the double treble, I think, at that time. Um as well, so it was a really steady ship. You know, this is a sinking ship right now. So there's a chance for Shved to walk in here, and it is now like a new. It is a, it is a new team. He's not got all these familiar faces around him. Um, you know, it's not. There's not the. It's not as tough to get into the starting eleven. You know, so it's it's a totally and utterly different format that he's walking into, and perhaps it's the same to, as Griffiths. You know, he's not having to come in and play second fiddle to Edward. He has the chance again to be the the main man, and he has to. You know, that's another factor that we have to chuck into this and hope that that's what he wants to be. You know, you have an opportunity here to be Celtic's number one striker again. You know, it's been a few years since you've been 
seen that because then Dembele came in and totally, you know, knocked them away after that game against, um, you know, the obviously the, the hat trick game for for Dembele, and then that was kind of it because he came in and he, and again, I think it was so tough. I think remember at that time we were all devastated because Griffiths has picked up the injury, and mm-hmm. we were like. We're having to turn to Dembele and obviously goes and puts in that sort of performance. But since then, he's never really been the number one go-to for Celtic, and perhaps that's what he likes to be and needs to be because then it's that sort of want, need, and desire. So again, there's an opportunity for him now because this is a totally and utterly different setup we're walking into. And this is obviously the new era, but you know, before we even get to that new era right now, this is just worrying. You know, it's still it's so it's scrambling, it's amateur, um, and it's just it's so disappointing. You know, you're you're looking around every single day and we're like, what is this? Um, and then it's we don't know, you know, obviously it's not Andrew's fault that he's not up here, but you've not really got a manager in place. You've got no idea who his backroom staff are. Are John Kennedy and Gordon, uh, Gordon Gavin Strachan taken? Don't get started on Gordon Strachan. Is Gavin Strachan taken, um, you know, training stairs come back in? Who is, who is taking it? So it's just, it's just extremely messy. I mean, my thoughts are that if, the likes of Edward, Christie and Ayer are going to leave Russell. We try and do those deals and we get as much as we can for them as soon as possible. We don't need it to drag on because we'll need that cash for some sort of rebuild. You know, we get as much as we can for them. You can speculate the figures all you want, but teams will only pay what they're worth. You know, so yeah. we, we get that chunk of money and for those three because these these three guys seem to be the ones who have agitated for a move and were unhappy not to get it last year and want out the door. So I would say let's get them out the door within the next 10 days if we can because Celtic need to focus, as Amy said, on what's in front of them now. They need some sort of rebuild to start happening with the, manage- the, the full management team coming in and players coming through the door as opposed to leaving because you need to yep. see some kind of structure. And I'll go back to something that you said a while ago. Near, Be- Near Beaton's going to play in the defence in the Champions League qualifiers, isn't he? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's looking likely right now. I mean, this we need to be clear as well. This is none of Angie's doing. No, we're not saying this is not. No, I know you're not. I know you're not. I, um, but I just want to kind of re-emphasize that, that any sort of doom and gloom that we're maybe sounding like here right now is is not based on, you know, Ange Postacoglu's potential ability or lack of in the job. He'll be judged, you know, far further down the line, in my opinion, on on his credentials to be Celtic boss. What he's walking into, though, is a storm. Um, And it is, I can't think of a time, maybe Lennon's first season, first time round, where so many players are going to come in. Um, And so many, obviously, as we've discussed, are heading for the departure door. And I think... You're absolutely spot on. We have to get these guys out the door the sooner the better because also that can then dictate what players it is you're targeting to bring in because you know how much money you have to spend. Um, If you don't know that, then you're going to be looking at Oxford centre-backs and Stephen O'Donnell's of the world. I'm not meaning that disrespectful. I just mean they cost less money. But if you've somehow managed to win a watch and sparked a bidding war or something like that for Edward and got maybe the maximum amount of money for him, let's say $25 million on the most optimistic of optimistic levels. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to be the fee. Just, you know, opt. Imagine that would be like extra, maybe 10 that you'd uh, banked on having. 
before you know it, you can look for better calibre of players that perhaps Angie had in mind for getting further down the line, maybe next summer or something. So we do need to be proactive in this now. You know, I, I, I appreciate he's not had long to, he's, you know, he's only just started pre-season today. So surely the only the steps would be you would assess what you've currently got, identify areas that need strengthened, and then look for players that are going to fit in with the team shape, tactics, league that you're playing in. Um, right now he's got to do that in a heck of a short time. I don't envy his task. But it's a challenge that we're all just going to need to embrace. Um, I, I've, I just feel that right now we were... JP made a great point on Thursday last week. Now, whilst we can't have players that don't want to be there, bids have to come in for said players for yeah. them to leave. Bids didn't come in for these guys last, last autumn time. Lennon was frustrated by the fact that they'd made it clear they wanted to leave and couldn't get them out the door. But it turns out there was only, was it one bid that was made for one player? And it was seen as derisory. Fair enough. What are we going to, we can't expect us to just, as much as I'm in a rush for these guys to be, you know, departing, it also has to be for a fair, a fair figure and a fair amount of money. And so far, bids haven't come in for any of them. This summer either. I know. So my, but my thought is that the start line says, what will the new era Celtic look like for the first match under Ange Postacoglu? That's fine. We can speculate as to what it will look like, but I want to see it start to kick in. I want the new era to start tomorrow, or, or mm-hmm. today, sorry, yesterday. That kind of thing. I, I want to see things happening now because the clock is ticking. You know, you're going into a, a European... Champions League European qualifier, and we've exempted them from criticism on that. Yeah, 100%. Ange has a free hit at this. If he does anything in this, he is, as I said before, a miracle worker. Yeah. If he gets Celtic through any of those those rounds, he's a miracle worker. I agree with that. You know, and I I think that he just has to start now assembling his team. What what are we going to look like moving forward? What, What, four weeks till they play? the first competitive game. It isn't a lot of time. He has inherited this situation. Again, we hope he's working away behind the scenes and pulling these things together and, and getting a list of targets that he wants. But as Amy said there as well, it, it's pretty shambolic that it's got to this point. We are scrambling. And the minute you're scrambling, clubs also know that as well. We'll hike the price. Yeah, that's and true. I was... Players that you're interested in, whereas a man from a young guy from Oxford and suddenly becomes a £1.6 million player. Mm-hmm. They're in line the rub and that's what Celtic will be up against moving yeah. forward. Yeah, I think as well, Tony, we obviously I touched on earlier that perhaps there's players in other markets that we would never even think of that Ange has identified. But what's just occurred to me as you were talking there was, what's the first thing Ange had to do when he took the Celtic job? When he flew over here? Quarantine. Yeah. So, you know, again, these guys can't even get into the training, you know, but you're, you're kind of chopping now 10 days off the 29 if you're looking for players outside the UK. How yeah. daunting is that? That's yeah. just occurred to me. There I was doing the sums. I thought, if we bring anyone from overseas, they have to immediately quarantine for 10 days. So guys yeah. like domestically that were in our league and from down south may well be the market that we're going to need to attract which might not be one, I think I'm sure Andrew's familiar with the majority of the market or at least a good percentage of it. And, you know, the English game is still, you know, the most viewed in the world, isn't it, really? Um, 
But what you would think is the interesting sign is that I'm looking forward to seeing Ange do, like that would be from maybe the J League or the A League or someone from Europe that he's worked with at national team level and things like that, that they're really exciting. But you're now beginning to start to slowly realise the chances of them being ready for that first game, us having a deal over the line, quarantined, up to fitness uh, and up to, up to speed with how the team is going to set up and play, is now really unlikely, isn't it? When you put it in those terms as well as we've spoken about, Amy, and you alluded to it first, I mean, it's an incredible state of affairs that Celtic have allowed this to happen, isn't it? I'm thinking right now, the whole time that Russ is talking, you know, we let our manager go, our manager left in February. Yeah. We are in the third week of June. And we're still talking about scrambling and, you know, not even really, like I say, fundamentally not having a manager in the building in place right now. It's, um, it's, 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 it's the realisation, isn't it? It's just like, it all just comes really like flooding over you and you're like, February, that's, you know, four months four months we've sat and you know and again I'm lived through it so like I know what happened and at that time I know it was me. I think that that perhaps the hindsight sometimes as well now that we can look back right now that obviously the manager is in place um the the worries and, and all of that is it, still not gone and I appreciate I didn't I don't know maybe there's that sort of like false illusion that you know the manager gets announced and you know perhaps that's like right everybody has deep breath there's a little bit of stability and steady in the ship, but this the ship the ship sorry is still as shaky as it was, you know it's um because I, I, it's again this is Russell saying it's like you bring an overseas player in and that's going to be ten ten more days that they're going to have to isolate so it's just everything is just getting chopped and chopped and chopped away, so I don't know right now it's just. It's just still so underwhelming. And I know there's there's no point really, you know, dwelling over it because there's nothing else you can really do. But it's it's not dwelling, it's still remembering that we allowed ourselves to get to this state. You know, that it was February that the Lenin left and we are still in this sort of shape that we don't know what money we're getting for Edward, IR, Christie. We don't know who we're bringing in, you know, player wise. We've got no clue that the only real body that's still through the door is Liam Shaw, who I still don't have no idea who brought Shaw in then. You know, we're talking about who's perhaps, you know, talking about Oxford players and whatnot. Who brought in Shaw? You know, who who scouted him? So it's just, it's, I don't know, it's, it's scunnering right now, I think, I'd say. Um, and it's just, it's just like, wow, we are we are still in this position. In one word, Remy, it's reality. <laughs> This is Celtic's reality. Yeah. And the reality is hitting a lot of supporters now. As much as they got a buzz and they were optimistic and they're getting behind Ange Postacoglu in the new, new new era, the new reign, great. Great. Let's be positive about that and you know, give him all the support he needs. Yeah. He's got an overwhelming job ahead of him. Yeah. And as much as it's underwhelming in fact that nothing's happening, it's overwhelming in fact what actually needs to be done when you're starting to break it down and what Celtic actually need moving forward. I mean, obviously, he's brave enough to take it on and it is arguably the biggest rebuild in the club in modern times. But if you're going to do that under in the backdrop of downsizing, that makes it even more trickier and difficult. Russell, I mean, this, I mean people accuse you of being negative. or well, not being negative. We're being realistic. This is real. 
this one. He's, he's, he's saying you're, you're a month away and with one player in the door. We have a manager with no backroom staff. We have players who are rumoured to be wanting to leave the, the three usual suspect. No bids have came in. So, and we're being linked with Oxford United players, whatever. There's still nothing concrete happens. It's all, it's all kind of speculation and you know, hearsay, gossip, rumour. Call it what you like, but nothing concrete is happening. Yep. And from then managers in London and he went to see Scotland and England and we are reliably informed that he's working away. Yeah, I mean, one of the other things that's dawning on me right now as well, and it is a world of reality we're living in here right now. No one's enjoying being negative, you know. I don't have that. I'm a positive person, you know what I mean? We'll still win the league. But, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we've got eight players at the Euros right now too. Yeah. Uh, what, you know, what break or respite are they getting before that European qualifier? What conditioning are they going to be in, you know, are going to have had ahead of the, the Michelin game? Um, and you only need to look at Callum McGregor's display on Friday. I know Amy touched on it, but I was really, really encouraged by that. I thought he was absolutely wonderful. Like I said earlier on, better players play, with, play better with better players. And I just thought he was absolutely outstanding. How crucial is it to get a guy who's played more games in Europe than any other footballer over the last five years? How crucial is it going to be to get him back in the team for that first leg? And yet you've got to flip that and go, the concerns we've had over Callum McGregor have been because of exhaustion, because of fatigue, because of looking jaded. And yet that is going to be the best option right now that we've got. Um, eight players at the Euros, 29 days till the tournament, incoming signings from abroad, 10 days quarantined. Um, wow. It is no wonder Ralston got the new deal. We have cracked that, by the way, today. Just in our chat, the Ralston deal... I'm sorry, it actually makes a heck of a lot more sense. I would like to think Lee Griffiths will be tied up in the next couple of days because, boy, oh boy, does he need a pre-season from the get-go again this year. Russell, you mentioned those eight players. We also need those eight players to come through that tournament unscathed. Oh, I know. (laughs) What if somebody gets clobbered? Right? Touch wood, they don't. But at least they're playing football. What if somebody gets ruled out? I know. You know, a, a major injury or whatever. Right? So... You're hoping things go to plan and those eight players come through the tournament unscathed and in fact as well. You know, so there's, there's a whole a whole plethora, you know, of, of, of things that are just happening, things that are happening that you just look and you think, why why did it take us so long to mm-hmm. sort this out? We've had four months, as you said there. Four months and it's come down to this. You're now cramming everything into a month. You're cramming more or less a whole season's worth of speculation into a whole month. Because you're having to speculate on how this team's going to do for the rest of the season. Well, up until January at least, and you can maybe make changes. But you're looking at that and just thinking, right, we've got a month to get a team in place that's going to be competitive, to wrestle the title back, to try and win the Champions League money, the automatic Champions League entry, by winning the title this season. Yeah. And, you know, um, that's not been negative. That's, that's been realistic. This is exactly what's going to happen. And Amy Allen, like you, the odds are against that a wee bit. Well, time's against them, isn't it? That's the, that's the biggest commodity that's against Ange at the minute. 
Absolutely, and, and time time is against them, and I appreciate everything that little rant that just spurred from me. It's because it's, um, <laughs> it's because it just doesn't it doesn't feel real. And again, and I touched on it before we came on air. And I appreciate our, our well-received pelters for it as well. But I think really what needs to come into consideration is that this is my first major tournament with Scotland. And I have totally and utterly, enjoyably invested myself in Scotland in the last you know week, week and a half to, to, to two weeks. And I, I really, and again, probably on a Celtic podcast, it's not the right thing to say, but I've just loved not having to prioritise Celtic in my life. You know, it's been it's been so enjoyable taking Wash that... Wash out with vodka, yo. <laughs> you know, focusing on something a bit positive and a bit optimistic, something that's totally not happened this season. You know, and it's not just me. It's, you know, my friends, I've got one of one of my really good friends is a, is a Kilmarnock fan, so God love him. Um, but he's, so he's been even more engrossed in this and it's, um, and it, and I understand why, because you just, it's that little bit of respite, you know? Um, so again, I think that's maybe why it's, uh, we're back, I'm talking about Celtic again, having to think of that Celtic state of mind. And that's why it's all hit me that this is the worrying state that we came to over the last, course of the last four months. And it's because I've managed to kind of like park it to one side for the last few weeks and just go, you know what, it's going to work itself out. But it's not really going to work itself out, you know? And that, just because I'm not actively thinking of it doesn't mean that that mess still isn't just happening. And it's just, it's... It's occurring, it's occurring. And while I'm watching, you know, Callum McGregor putting an absolutely tremendous performance for Scotland, like you say, I'm not thinking about, oh my God, this guy's not getting a rest again. And this is who we didn't, I didn't really want to play in the, um, the warm up games for Scotland, the friendlies, because I'm like, please God, just give this man a rest. Then this time last week, I'm crying because he's not playing for Scotland. Because, and then I'm like, well, he is getting that rest. So it's, it's been probably the first time and it's not even probably it is the first time in my life that I've not had Celtic at the, at the front of my mind because I've never had Scotland at a major tournament or succeeding in any any form to to take over as some sort of you know focus point and priority and that is what happened but like I say it's not easy thinking about this the state the, the basically the state that Celtic is in right now what's on curveball at the Paris then not curveball, but conflicting reports. Gordon Strachan is a DOF. Yes or no? Russell? The thing is, right, yeah, I would say yes, right, in terms of uh, what I think his ability to do the job and what he can bring a football club, right? But my, you know, the, I've got severe doubts again about how this is coming about. Like, is this really, you know, forward thinking modernisation of a football club if Gordon Strachan and his son are at the club, known mates of Peter Lawwell. Um, if it's a City Group uh, manager coming in that we know we did with Ronnie Dyla as well, who's funnily enough now manager another club in the City Group right now, it's all getting a wee bit lazy after the one time we showed ambition, we just hung on too long. See, just quickly as well, by the way, they're talking about like the, the short period of the time we've got. One positive I'm going to take from this is it might force Celtic's hand to deal with transfer business how we've been wanting them to over the last few years because they've not got the time to pussyfoot about anymore. It actually could be a good thing. We might start acting like, we need to get him. What do you want for him? We'll pay it. And maybe we'll see some more actual directness from Celtic in the transfer market that's been sadly lacking. So from that, we can take a wee positive there. As for striking, look, it's like we're saying about some of the players coming in. 
it might just have to be what does the job for now. But would it have been someone I would have thought would have been on this new era, as we're calling it, on the list of, then the Talking Heads song comes to my head again of um, Once in a Lifetime, and that is same as it ever was, same as it ever was. <laughs> Amy, your thoughts on Gordon Strachan as a DOF? It's most likely going to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Modernising of the club. <laughs> exactly, modernising of the club. I can't get on board with it. Bally's son's part of the coaching setup. And I'm not saying that just if Gavin Strachan wasn't part of it, then I'd be like, all right, let's get Gordon Strachan in. Because as Russell says, it's not, you know, it's not that step into modernising the, the way that we're trying to, you know, wanting to take the club. As a, as a game, and it's kind of just reiterating what this is saying, but well, no doubt that Strachan could do that job, you know. This is an incredibly intelligent man, um, and a fantastic knowledge of football, and, you know, I, I, again, he's one of the, the, well, he is, he's the first Celtic manager that I can remember, and, you know, the strip that was sponsored by Carl, and that deep, uh, dark green, I loved it, my brother had it, and it was just, that's the era that I really think back to, that was me first falling in love with Celtic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got plenty of happy memories with Gordon Strachan. And again, probably started the the good stuff with, with Scotland as well. Probably gave me the, the first bit of hope. Um, and that is the hope that will kill you. But I don't I don't believe that this is the, the right move and the right direction that, that, um, that the club should be going into because it's it's just not the sort of stamp and standpoint that we're wanting to make, uh, that we're going forward, that we're trying to step into that new era, that this is a total rebuild as we're bringing back a manager who was only at the club 15 years ago. To continue, Russell Steam, you may tell yourself, this is not my beautiful club. Is that what <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say end with a positive on Scotland, but we just got hot with the biggest negative there with the Withdrawal of Billy Gilmer for the Croatia game due to COVID. Oh. It's such a Scottish thing to happen, isn't it? it? Is. You could it not is. make that. We're up there after a tremendous performance display and a decent result against England with Billy Gilmer prominent and then all of a sudden he's out for the, the Croatia game. You you couldn't make it up, but if you're Scottish, you could make it up because it's, it's the kind of things that happen to us. Amy, I'll come to you first because you're up there with Scotland now, but I mean, you must have... You must have felt like crying when you read that the day. Well, you see, you've just got to laugh, otherwise you'll greet. It's um, it's so so Scottish, like you say. There's, it's you know, of course, of course, it was going to happen. It's um, here's us all talking about how much right we've got to keep that same start and eleven for for the Croatia game. When we had a great shout, everything just clicked on Friday, and now we get to um, now we get to this stage. So it's disappointing. There's no denying it. And now there's just going to be the whole talk. You know, who comes in? Does Turnbull come in? Does Christie come in? Is it Armstrong? Do we move McTominay forward? There's just going to be so many if buts and maybe's. Um, and it's just, it's just so deflating because you know he's rightly receives all the plaudits. Like I say, that comes at the at the, the hand and the help of McGregor beside him, who really like you know he he left that stage open for him. He done all the the, the dirty work and really just put in a, a really stellar performance. But it's so disappointing for Gilmore as well. You know, there's people there going right. This is him in the starting eleven for forever now. You know, he's got. Uh-huh however long you want to see a 15-year Scotland career in front of him, he can be breaking records left, right and centre um, with appearances because he is a classy, classy player playing well above his years. Um, 
so it's it's so tough. It's so tough to take because it's just it's just we just have that little bit of hope that, like I say, it's the hope that kills you. It's that little bit of optimism, and I have a little bit of belief that wow, we could put in a performance tomorrow because yet again I wasn't really impressed by Croatia, and I'm still yet to be impressed by them. So it's a tough one. I think the the shining light and the sort of positive and the only real hope he can take is that if it's any position that's going to happen, and you know we have got a ridiculously strong midfield. Um, and there's going to have to be reshuffling around and I've just got to hope this, that McGinn doesn't move to that deeper role because, you know, that's the performance on, on Friday all came as well because McGinn was that further forward, you know, that number 10 sort of role he is, he is terrific there. So as long as he remains there and the rest behind, hopefully well, it will work itself out. But I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still buzzing. Not sure. Can, uh... Scotland, can Scotland beat Croatia? Oh, absolutely. And I would just like to express my amazement and delight that he had absolutely no close contacts um, after testing positive for COVID at a camp um, not too dissimilar to when it happened with Celtic. We had one player tested positive for COVID, but sadly for us, I think it was 13 players and the management team that had to sit it out for 10 days. But what a relief that that was not the case. And what a miracle at one of these uh, camps that there wasn't a close contact of Billy Gilmore, but we can all just breathe a sigh of relief at that news. Russell Boyce there, the, the, clearly the, the brother of Lawrence Conley, speaking <laughs> there. <laughs> that one was for Lawrence, definitely. Well, on that this has been the Monday Club. I've been Tony Haggerty. That's been Amy Canavan. He's been Russell Boyce. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, your stars. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network.